Objections Overruled 1 and 2 audiobooks are produced by Lutheran Public Radio and are made possible with support from listeners like you. You can contribute to the production of future audiobooks at issuesetc.org support. Look for Objections Overruled 3 in December of 2023. Miracles Don't Happen Mark A. Pearson Miracles break the laws of nature because nature is under God's authority. This means He can act on nature in ways we cannot. Judging miracles by our own personal experiences means that a miracle could only be similar to something that has already happened to us. This would not be miraculous. When we study history, we see that some strange occurrences make more sense as miracles than as a mass of absurdly complex coincidences. Walking on water. Yeah, right. A pregnant virgin. You can't be serious. Parting the Red Sea. Do you believe in a flat earth, too? These skeptical responses to miracles of the Bible are typical. We live in a scientific age, after all, where old books with fanciful stories can no longer be taken on blind faith. Instead, they are dismissed as myths and legends invented by primitive, superstitious people. These people knew only a fraction of what we do about how the universe works. Simply put, our advances in knowledge have determined that the laws of nature do not allow miracles. Claims of supernatural events cannot withstand the critical scrutiny of history. Only the most gullible, ignorant people still believe these outlandish claims, namely religious fanatics who take the Bible too literally and who refuse to grow up. That's the charge anyway, and it comes from commoners and college professors alike. But is this, in fact, the case? Are Christians forced to check their brains at the church door? Have science and reason demonstrated that miracles are on par with Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny? Not by a long shot. Miracles are not only possible, the miracles of Jesus in particular are probable. In fact, when we examine arguments against the supernatural, it doesn't take much to expose the faulty reasoning on which they rest. We are going to look at three of these flawed objections. Miracles and the Laws of Nature Miracles are a violation of the laws of nature and are thus impossible occurrences. This assertion depends on the belief that the physical laws that govern our universe are constant. They never change. They can never be violated. The laws of gravitation and thermodynamics, for example, are forever fixed in place. Apples fall from trees, energy can neither be created nor destroyed, and dead people stay dead. Any claims to the contrary are dismissed as unbelievable and unscientific. Some argue that any naturalistic explanation, no matter how far-fetched, is better than a supernatural one. For example, some skeptics think that the reports about Jesus' miracles resulted from a grand conspiracy— They believe that Christian sources collaborated with hostile Jewish sources, such as the historian Josephus and the Talmud of the rabbis, to deceive the masses. No historian or religious scholar believes this, since there is zero historical basis for it. Yet those who reject miracles consider it a viable explanation. Why? Because the alternative, that miracles occurred, is too unlikely to allow no matter how strong the evidence is. This rationale also dictates that Jesus was more likely an alien than the divine Son of God. Aliens are unproven but not supernatural. 
In short, the laws of nature limit what can and cannot happen. This excludes miracles from the realm of possibility. If God exists, however, then the natural order is his creation. That includes the laws that govern the physical universe. Since he established these principles in the first place, God is free and able to bend, break, or alter them when and where he pleases. There is no reason to think the Almighty must conform to our limited understanding of the world. Is the author of existence bound by the current scientific consensus about the workings of the cosmos? God can do whatever he wants. If he showed up as a man in the person of Jesus, we should expect to see him do extraordinary things. Controlling nature, healing the sick, and raising the dead are as normal and effortless for God as breathing is for us. What is more, rejecting supernatural activity outright and without exception is simply unwarranted. This is a technical move that permits only a certain kind of conclusion. It stacks the deck in favor of rank materialism. In other words, if one begins with the premise that all miracle accounts are false, then, of course, one will conclude that the miracles of the Bible are false. But why start there? Why adopt this anti-supernatural bias when it is assumed rather than argued? Additionally, if there ever were a case of divine intervention, denying miracles would prevent us from recognizing it. If we rule out miracles, there is no point in weighing the evidence for them. Categorically rejecting any and every supposed violation of the laws of nature predetermines the explanation, no matter what really happened. This is obviously problematic. Theories don't determine the facts. Facts must determine the theories. Otherwise, the truth will be missed because of an unfounded starting point that amounts to saying, Miracles don't happen, I just know it. This is a guess. It is neither scientific nor self-evidently true. Miracles and Reasoning from Experience There is uniform experience against miracles. Nobody has ever really witnessed one. There are two main forms of this argument. The first is that all human experience consists of purely naturalistic occurrences. Any purported miracle, then, must be false. This is a classic case of circular reasoning. How can we affirm that there has never been any supernatural event unless we already know that every miracle claim in history is untrue? And how can we assume that each one is untrue unless we somehow also know that miracles do not happen? The argument goes in a circle. It is like saying, A is false because B is false, and B is false because A is false. The second form of this argument is more persuasive because it appeals to our own experience. Have you ever witnessed a miracle? How about anyone you know? Even if the answer is yes, you may be skeptical of what happened. We know that people make mistakes, lie, and believe things because of what they want to be true. To be consistent, then, you should also doubt and reject the miracle accounts in the Bible. This is an argument by analogy. Our own experiences form what we are willing to accept about paranormal claims. Since miracles are non-existent in our daily lives, we must presume the same is true for everyone else. As with all analogies, however, this argument breaks down and is insufficient for determining the true nature of events. Given this standard, not just miracles, but anything not previously seen or experienced should be rejected as unlikely. But all historical events are in some way unique. 
they can never be repeated exactly, and everything is without precedent the first time it occurs. Disallowing abnormal events grossly hinders one's recognition of the facts. In the 17th century, for example, the king of Siam in Southeast Asia refused to believe that water could freeze into a mass so solid that elephants could walk on it. He rejected evidence and eyewitness testimony because he had no personal experience with ice. This kept him ignorant of the truth. While you may not have witnessed a miracle firsthand, there are literally hundreds of millions of people who claim they have. Among them are highly educated people in modern industrialized countries. A healthy skepticism can be admirable, but there is such a thing as unhealthy skepticism. This can be every bit as dangerous as believing everything you hear. Miracles and History History only deals with what is probable, and miracles are by nature improbable. This final objection overlaps with the previous ones, but there are two crucial points to stress. First, historians work in the realm of probability by carefully investigating the facts and then following the evidence wherever it leads. Examining supernatural claims includes admitting when claims are found in good sources, are supported by data, and provide the best explanation of what happened. In other words, history and miracles are not mutually exclusive. On the contrary, historical inquiry can increase the probability that a miracle occurred when the evidence piles up. Second, history always happens within a particular context. Jesus' resurrection, for instance, is not a theoretical question of whether a random person could have risen from the dead. It is not about an isolated event that occurred in a vacuum. Rather, the significance of the historical, cultural, and religious settings must be taken into account. So must the character of both the primary subject, Jesus, and the eyewitnesses. Did Jesus have a reputation for being a deceiver or a madman? Did he want to lead people astray from belief in the one true God? No, none of his opponents could successfully accuse him of that, even though they tried with all their might. What about Jesus' followers? Did they have the means, motive, and opportunity to fool the world? No, they were commoners. They had no money, power, or influence with the Jewish or Roman elite. Many of them embraced death rather than change their story. Some even started as skeptics or enemies of the Easter message, like Thomas, James, and Paul. Is there a probable alternate explanation for multitudes of strictly monotheistic Jews suddenly including Jesus in their worship of God? How about for their thinking a crucified criminal was the Messiah and God's Son when Jesus' shameful death should have had the exact opposite effect? Or for their insistence that Jesus physically rose from the dead when it would have been so much easier to say he had a spiritual resurrection, lived on in their hearts, or was alive in heaven? The answers are no, no, and no. Historians are better able to assess the probability of a miracle after carefully considering the wider context. In the case of Jesus' resurrection, its likelihood is only bolstered by such an assessment. Conclusion Christianity cannot survive without miracles. If none of the supernatural events in the Bible happened, then there is no reason to believe in Jesus as Savior. But when we examine common objections to miracles, we find that they are easily refuted. God invented the laws of physics and is not bound by his own creation. 
There is, therefore, no reason to prefer naturalistic explanations over supernatural ones. To assert that all miracle claims are untrue because there is uniform experience against them is circular. To insist that your personal experience determines everyone else's is foolhardy. Historians are to determine what probably happened based on evidence, not on their biases against miracles. This includes looking at the background and broader circumstances around any given claim, such as Jesus rising from the dead, a claim that becomes more probable when considered in its proper context. Are miracles miraculous? Of course they are. They require an act of God that falls outside normal experience. But as we have seen, Christians are justified in believing them. Anyone can make snarky comments to ridicule and dismiss us, but the miracles of the Bible can be investigated, their evidence weighed, and their likelihood supported by the testimony of credible eyewitnesses. The upshot of all this is that God is faithful, He does not lie, and His word is truth. This means you can trust not only His miracles of the past, but also that He forgives your sins through Jesus in the present. In both cases, taking him at his word is a sane, sober, and reasonable thing to do. After all, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Luke chapter 1 verse 37. For further reading on miracles, see In Defense of Miracles, a Comprehensive Case for God's Action in History.